Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. I've noticed some kind of funny things in the last few months as I've been working with this group of clients that have so much diversity in their business models and all kinds of different backgrounds and experience levels. And it's been really fun to kind of challenge the status quo of what it looks like to build a team. And no matter how many clients we work with, there's – and business owners, CEOs, team leaders that we work with, there's always this underlying sense of insecurity about how good of a job they're doing in leading their team or how – how much of their team success is their accountability. And truthfully, the way we see it is that it really is kind of a push and pull. There are so many facets to humans in general that identifying that something is all one person's fault or that one person gets all the credit is really hard, especially in business. And um, one thing that I've learned over the years is that the more you try to make something black and white, the more that the universe is going to try to teach you to live in the gray. Um, this is like the never-ending saga of personal growth and personal development that I have to learn. And in that sense, I think that Today's topic, um, which is sharing my, I I don't like calling it a hack, but essentially it is a hiring hack um, to make sure that you're guaranteeing a return on the oftentimes very large investment from your new team member. And as I'm sharing this, it's funny because I think that originally I had created this strategy out of a need to feel secure in my own decisions. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. And I'm growing a team of my own. And although I have managed a team for small businesses and upwards of 50 people at a time, over 500 people, I think it's creeping up to 1,000 because I haven't really tallied it out over the last few years, um, over multiple locations and multiple businesses. For, For me, it just kind of felt like, well, when I go out on a limb with somebody, because that's what we're doing when we're hiring. I want to make sure that there's some way that I can show that I'm getting something back. And I think that when it comes to most of our clients, there's a commonality there because it's a controllable and a very scary, not 100% controllable environment. And I think after you hire your first, second, third employee, or even you hire an employee a couple of times and replace the position, you start to feel more confident. Um, But especially if you're hiring for the very first time, it can feel like, how many things can I put into place that makes me feel more secure? And 
for me, this was kind of one of those things that I wanted to create for myself. And it ended up working really well for our clients as well. And I know I get a lot of heat from systems people, even though this is an operations, a people operations company. I started out as a director of operations. HR was sort of woven in over 10 years, but that is where my heart lives. Uh, You should I sometimes show our clients like our project management system and our team um, relies on that system to make sure that we're getting everything we can done. People are always asking me, how do you have a full-time job and still manage to run this business? And frankly, it's because of the operation side of it. So putting people into that process wasn't necessarily a leap. I've always loved working with people, developing them, um, managing them, helping others learn how to find the best in themselves. So it wasn't that big of a leap. But truthfully, when I want to feel more secure about something, I turn to my roots, which is the systems. And while people are not always predictable, uh, there is a way to get an ROI out of your new team member. So I'm going to dive right in. So first of all, we're talking about employees. At the end of the day, our contractors are freelancers, which means that they are in charge of their own development. And trust me when I say they want to be. (laughs) So if there's some situation in which your freelancer doesn't want to be an employee, it's probably because they're running their own business. So if that's the case, then this is not the type of hack that we're talking about. We can't guarantee an ROI from a freelancer or from a contractor. We can sign contracts and make sure that we understand the deliverables. But what we're talking about today are the people that we're in charge of developing and the people that we are in charge of managing and the people that we want to take under our wing and to mentor and to have them learn how to be better at their job so that we as a company can grow. And so we have to make sure that we're getting a return on investment when it comes to the people that we're bringing in. So the way that I like to do that is by creating a 90-day plan that falls right in line with usually a 90-day probationary period or introductory period, whatever vernacular you choose to use within your own company. And essentially, while you're creating their training plan, try to assign two, one to two big projects that are kind of back end projects that the company can benefit from being accomplished over the course of the next few months that otherwise you wouldn't be able to get done. So it helps to make sure that those projects are going to be something that is contributing directly to their knowledge of your company, your brand, your voice, your services, your offerings, um, whatever the case may be as well as tying into the overall functionality of their job. So it's actually so easy to come up with these types of projects. And especially when it comes to more advanced businesses, there are probably so many things on the back end of your business that need to be addressed that has just kind of been sitting there for a long time while you've grown and developed your team, hired new managers, stuff like that. So if you're the CEO of a business or you're the manager of a team, you likely have a set of systems and functionality that falls under your duties on the day-to-day, week-to-week basis. That's where I would start when it comes to looking for what these projects can look like. Um, And essentially what we're going to talk about today is not just the types of projects that and the functionality of these projects and why they 
are such a benefit to guaranteeing a return on investment. But we're also going to talk about some sample ideas of projects that I've used in the past or that my clients have used in the past to get an ROI out of their team member. And the thing is that with scary numbers out there, like one in three employees um, leaving their position within 90 days, things like that, our numbers tend to be much lower in small business, especially because of the screening process, the hiring process, and the really blatant and straightforward job descriptions. We can be so, so picky about the people that we're bringing into our team. So if you're a small business owner listening to this episode, just know that you do have the attention to detail on your side that corporate and where those da- where that data comes from doesn't get to experience. Um, if you're an employee listening to this and thinking about how you can make sure that you're contributing an ROI, um, a return on investment for your supervisor, for your company to make sure that you're making a splash and setting up a standard for your performance at the company. It's a great idea to make sure and understand what is going to be actually important to your company or to your boss's company, whatever the case may be, and important to your job and finding that kind of Venn diagram intersection of both of those things when you're figuring out what these projects look like. So the example that I'm going to give is one that is the most common. If you've ever been my client or have heard me talk about this before, it's not that surprising. But essentially, one of the most high value things that especially businesses who have a presence online can do is to create a solid and depth and deep content bank of everything that you have created in the past. So whether that be lives, trainings, courses, um, captions, graphics, all kinds of anything that's living in your Canva, in your Google Drive, um, in if you've done presentations, if you've done interviews, try to, if you've done interviews on podcasts, creating a massive content bank to house all of the content that you create either in an educational format or through PR opportunities or through sales opportunities, we are constantly creating content every single day when it comes to our business. So whether that even that even could be if you're not super active on social media or you work for a company where you're not the face of the company, that could be things like the frameworks that you're creating for your clients or templates that you're creating for your clients, things like that. Um, if there is a way to assign that and to create that content bank as a project for your team member, then what that's going to do is it's going to create an opportunity for them to understand the content that your company is putting out there while simultaneously creating a database or a bank of all of this content while looking through another perspective. So If you use a system like ClickUp or Google Docs or something like that, I just say go with the most simple version of it for a project like this. The idea is not to organize or overthink or create a million tags or automations or something like that. It's literally just to collect information in a thoughtful and organized way. So another thing that you can do is to allow your team member to come up with how they're going to present this to you in the first place. And when we're hiring people, there are going to be people that we're hiring that are going to be much more driven to having a good 
result from this. Project managers, systems people, operations people, stuff like that. Um, even our social media managers, our marketers. Um, we're going to have systems in which we can we kind of move through the world and help to organize our own information. However, there will be people that you're hiring. Perhaps it's your scalable position or somebody that's going to be leading uh, your client workflow, somebody that's not great with organization or operations, but is more maybe a consultant or somebody on your team that is a wealth of knowledge that you're using to kind of push forward your client service. This may not be the best project for them, but it's still worth it. So if you have someone else on your team that has created that content bank in the past, having a way for your new hire to sort through that content and look at it from a different lens. So for example, if we are having a new HR consultant starting with us, we already have this content bank built. But having them go through it and experience some of those pieces of information or reading through our blogs and looking at it in a way that's like, hey, this could use an update or this link didn't work or you know stuff like that. Um, that has them be exposed to your voice on a couple of hours a day while they're getting onboarded, it's going to get them to a place where they feel like they're really part of the team offering open and constructive feedback that doesn't take too much depth, um, but also to use their experience. So for example, if you're like, hey, I'm hiring an HR consultant. I'd love for you to go through all of our blogs. We've been publishing them for three years. Um, and let me know if anything pops up as a red flag that might need to be updated. So for example, three years ago, when we started our business. Remote work had aged 10 years faster than it was ever supposed to. So while I already had experience working in the remote environment, a lot of things that we may have put out there three years ago are going to be super outdated. I mean, it's going to be like, obviously, that's the way we do it. Or obviously, we use these systems or, you know, whatever the case may be. And having somebody be able to go through there and just through a fine tooth with a fine tooth comb and looking at ways that we can improve on those messages is going to be super high value work. And it's also going to expand the quality in which you're putting out there overall. So it's also really helpful too to make sure that you understand that you are going to be getting what can be perceived as feedback from your new hire through this process and basically carving out time so then you can address those things as they come up and they don't just become something else on a to-do list. So for example, if they're if they are compiling a list of broken links or if they have um, ideas that they want to walk through with you, then set up a time where either you or somebody else that works on your team can sit with them for an hour and actually go through and make those edits or talk through why you don't need to. So then it kind of helps them to get involved with your voice, get involved with your company, to understand what you're putting out there, to understand your perspective, and also to kind of line up what their experience is with what you're putting out into the world. This is immediately going to triple the value of of any of the content that you've previously put out there. So if we want to have somebody that's coming in more entry level to get to know our systems, have them create a content banking ClickUp if they're getting to know ClickUp or Asana um, or Google Sheets or whatever the case may be. And then set aside time with them to fine tune it and show them different features and show them um, where they may have been on the right track versus what may be kind of a time suck. And the truth is that once your team member is 
onboarded, off and running, their time is going to be a little bit too valuable for you to have them doing administrative type stuff. So if you're able to actually put that aside and have them doing this right away, then they're going to be adding value already. So I think that's one of the best ways that we can get ROI. And that's just using the content bake example, um, content audits, things like that, things that are already out there in the world that we want to deepen or add value to. Um, And give really kind of loosey-goosey, but also very stringent instructions. Hey, I'd like for you to go through every single one of our blog posts. Here's how you can access them. And here's where I'd like for you to put your feedback. But maybe don't tell them exactly how you'd like their feedback, or maybe don't tell them exactly what you'd like them to add in. Um, And then meet with them very often in the first couple of weeks. And then over time, let it kind of peter off as they sort of start to understand exactly what it is that they're adding the value to. It also makes a really huge difference if you have a podcast or something along those lines. One of my favorite things to do is to, before I had this podcast, and if you don't have a podcast, it's totally fine, but have your team member listen to you on podcast interviews, YouTube interviews, um, videos in your courses, things like that, so that they can understand what they're dealing with. (laughs) Because you know we like to say that our clients put out into the world really exacting and uh, encompassing company culture-driven job posts. But you as a supervisor may not be the person that's running the company. You may not be the CEO, which means that those may not be your values. So if that's the case, then we still want to make sure that they're understanding the overall vision of the company while they're working through their training. Um, To have projects that double as training, so this could be something that is just having them getting to know your voice, listening to podcasts, putting in a content calendar, pulling out those quotes that really resonated with them um, that you can then use on social media or on LinkedIn or even throughout your educational materials or um, your sales copy or, you know, whatever the case may be. There's so many different ways that you can go about this. Another thing that you could do, especially for Um, I'm just going to go jump right into if you have a marketing or social media assistant, coordinator, marketing manager, something like that that hasn't worked with your company before, creating a metrics database and then updating it with the metrics that they're seeing. Um, having them have the resources to do that, to find if the, if you already have a solid metrics database, having them go in and find additional metrics that you could be using on the day-to-day of your company. So one of the things that you're going to want to take a look at is the KPIs that you're measuring on your team. Because one of the, I would say, things that we see a lot of mistakes on is a, job descriptions. They're usually not optimized. They're usually confused with job posts. You can go back and listen to that other podcast episode about that. But B, KPIs for team members. We see a couple of major mistakes here. And so what we really want to do is make sure that we are differentiating between the KPIs for the team member the one that we're talking about in regards to getting their ROI from, as well as the KPIs of other team members. We don't want them going out and seeking out ways to measure KPIs for other team members. But what we can do is having them going out and finding ways to attack things from a metrics-based viewpoint, especially if it's somebody that's strong in that area, um, that can attack all of these metrics from a different perspective than we have already if they are incorporated into the whole team. So what you'll start to notice as a manager is what really 
turns your employees' light switch on, that makes them excited, that makes them motivated, that is generating ideas. But you're not throwing somebody's KPIs under the bus by having them create a metrics database to measure everybody else's data. Um, Your team and your company has KPIs as well as your individuals on your team. So we'll talk about this on another episode, but generally speaking, each team member should only be responsible for two to three really specific KPIs that are contributing as a summary of their overall purpose within your company. But your company can have an unlimited number of metrics that you can look at to make decisions. We want this person, if you are to assign a project like this to them, we want this person to be able to look at the company's KPIs as a whole, not as their co- at their coworkers' KPIs. So figuring out how to best use people's strengths in order to create these projects that could then in turn come back and add value to your company or your decision-making process is going to be high value as well as these are projects that are going to stick around for a long time. So a content bank that you have a new hire create that takes them about a month that's alongside their normal training. They're getting to know your content, your voice. They're feeling like they know you just the same way that if you have a favorite podcast hope or host or YouTube personality that you watch, you always kind of feel like you know them or like a celebrity or something like that. We want our team to get to know us too. And we don't always have time to sit with them in an office on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis the way we do when we're in person. So being able to not only draw that double for training, but building a set of ownership or a sense of ownership and a way to ensure that you're getting something that would be very expensive if you were to purchase this outsource. So if I had a systems person come into my business and I was like, I want you to create marketing analytics dashboard and a metrics database and a KPI tracking dashboard, and I want you to collect all this data um, and then also create a content bank Not only would that be almost impossible, as most operations is really difficult to do if you're not within the business, um, but it would also be a huge lift for a contractor and it would be very expensive. So just to give you a concept is if you had one, if you had your employee create a content bank for you that you developed them on for a half an hour a week for a few weeks and they delivered you a content bank within a month, that could be anywhere from a $3,500 to an $8,500 project for a systems analyst or a fractional COO. And you're getting it at a much lower rate while knocking out training and building in a type of ownership and understanding of your company through the process of training your employee. So let's say your employee is getting paid two or $3,000 a month as like a standard part-time assistant type of employee would building out a content bank or a metrics bank or something like that. Um, even if they're spending all their time doing it, you're still going to be, which they won't be, they're only going to be spending a couple of hours a day or maybe even a few hours a week putting this together. Um, you're going to be spending a fraction of that. So let's pretend that they make $30 an hour and it takes them 12 hours, then that's 360 bucks, which is 10% of what you might um get from a fractional COO. And you get to give them feedback every step of the way. So it's a win-win to take chances on people on your team that have aligned skill sets because you can find creative ways to have them help you. And it isn't going to take up all of their time. With contractors, it can be really hard to measure that, to measure the time that they're spending as well as the experience that they're putting into it. So we're not trying to 
say that there's anything even or whatever because that's just not the case. But if you're using ClickUp in your business, your team member needs to know how to use it, which means it's going to take them time. So while they're learning, you might as well have them be outputting something that you can use. Um, it's kind of foolproof and awesome. So <laughs> I would definitely suggest trying something like this. Um, here's some examples of a few different ways that you can use these training projects to create ROI right away. So an operations manager can create a workflow web to interconnect your systems. So if you have an operations manager coming in, one of the hardest parts is getting them the passwords that they need and getting onboarded into the systems that they need. So having them create a workflow web, meaning a visual identity of how all of your offers work together within your systems, um, is going to be a great way to start to see their strengths and to develop them into the systems that you're using if they aren't you know, let's say maybe they don't have a ton of experience with Kajabi or they don't have a ton of experience with Dubsado. This gets them to dip their toe into it a little bit, understand the functionality and how it's connected to the other systems on your team, while also creating a way to essentially translate this information over to whoever may come next in the role. Um, hypothetically speaking, if this operations manager does create something like this and then they end up not working out, then all of a sudden you have something that's created already or almost created for your next person to come in. And on the best case scenario, your operations manager sticks around. They figure out how all these systems work together. They can have a high-level overview of your entire company just by doing this one project and also help you to optimize things along the way. Um, the big thing with this is that we want to make sure that we are again, really front-loading that support. So if you're bringing someone new onto your team, you want to make sure that you are setting aside lots of time, especially at the beginning of their employment, to make sure that they feel comfortable and ready to go. Whenever I make a mistake, or the biggest mistake I'll make when I'm hiring is definitely being coming from a place of feeling like I can't be there enough for them in the beginning. So make sure that you're prioritizing that when you're deciding on your people's start dates. Um, now, going one level lower, talking about an operations assistant, have them build an SOP library for you or have them pull together your SOP library. So if you already have a whole bunch of SOPs, then have them going through and making sure that they're updated. Have them watch them. They're going to get that same viewpoint as an operations manager, but you didn't hire a manager. You hired an operations assistant, which means that they're not going to be able to look at things most likely, from that high-level viewpoint. So being able to capitalize on that kind of micro step into an operations web, because ideally, this operations assistant is eventually going to develop into your operations manager, which means that if they have their finger on the pulse of everything that you have on your operations side of your business, it seamlessly creates a path for them to move onward and upward. And it's probably going to shorten the time um, that it takes to get an assistant-level person to be ready to be promoted to a higher level role like a manager or a director. Um, secondly, we have our administrative people who save our lives every single day. Um, I think that there's truly nothing better than having a admin, an admin assistant, somebody that really identifies with organization come in and just handle your inbox, handle your Google Drive, and let them do what they got to do. You know, if they have ideas for how to keep you organized, have them run it by you first, but work with them to make sure that you can 
capitalize on their interests in the systems that you have in your company. There's been many times where I've seen administrative assistants be hired when really they should be operations assistants. So pay really close attention to how you can actually optimize people that may be categorized or have accepted a job as an admin, but maybe have a skill set that leans more towards operations or even marketing. Um, and then let's talk a little bit about our service-based business owners. So if you are a coach or if you have a done-for-you service, uh, if you're an agency owner, something like that, then you're going to have people that are considered your scalable role in your business. And I say that with little air quotes because I made it up. Um, but the scalable role in your business is going to be the person, the role in which when you fill it with a person, it means you can take on more clients and expanding the bandwidth and expanding the capacity of your business to make money. So these are going to be a lot different than the tasks that are coming in here for service providers are going to be a lot different than something that's coming in as an operations person. So a, a coach or an account manager, consultant, um, something like that, those are going to be people that are going to be able to actually do research for you, create research libraries, create frequently asked questions databases. They can audit your programs for, for current and accurate information. And they can help to templatize and update your workflows and your SOPs based on their experience. So for example, if we're talking about a marketing agency, we see so much lost time and energy and money with our teams when we're working with marketing agencies because they are just doing tasks and they're not doing anything that's high level, um, which isn't really giving them a chance to show their skill set and to show their depth of understanding of your company. So if you find... This this doesn't necessarily have to be right away, but if you find that you have a member of your team that's kind of checking things off the off the list and they feel like maybe they're going to be with you for a while and you want to invest some time into them, flip this hiring hack on its head and create those projects for them to complete even if they've been with you for a little bit a little while. Think about how you can give them projects to help take them to the next level and make sure that they couple as training because what you're going to find is that if you're giving people projects that are way below their, I don't want to say pay grade, but their pay grade or experience level, they're going to get bored with them and it's not going to have as big of an impact. Make the project harder, especially if they've already worked with you. Make the project more difficult. Make the project have a depth that a new person wouldn't be able to do. Literally ask yourself that question. This person's been working with me for a little while. I'd love to see them flex their muscles a little bit. They're getting super efficient in their tasks. They're really invested. And I want to see what they can grow into. Think about the project that you can give them that's going to have an immediate reaction on the way that you're running your company so that you can help to set aside some time to develop them into a different area of the business. And as you're getting that ROI for your company, how to really continue to strengthen the bond between you and them in regards to their engagement. So two weeks ago, we had an episode that was all about let's get engaged, getting your employees engaged. And this is one of the really great ways to do that, especially because every business has a slow season or a slow month. And instead of looking at it in panic, look at it in an opportunity to really expand the engagement of your team members by deepening their knowledge about your company. 
All right. So I gave you a few examples there um, for each position, but I'd love to talk more about this. This is definitely something that we roll in to our services at Paradigm. But as always, just make sure that you're following along and leave me a five-star review with your favorite tip from this episode. I would absolutely love to hear it. Um, And I have some also really exciting news. So we have a new quiz out where you can actually discover your leadership archetype. So we created this really fun quiz and you'll be given not only just the way that you manage your team out of five different leadership archetypes, but also really explicit strengths and some things that you might be able to do a little bit better based on this type. So make sure that you hit the link in our show notes and follow along on Instagram to make sure that you take that quiz. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Don't forget to make sure you let me know what your favorite um, part of this episode was. And if you take your quiz, let me know that in your five-star review too. Hope you're having a great day. And I look forward to talking to you next Wednesday on On the Up and Up. If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up.